So he is out there doing that, um, just having fun and being a blessing. Okay. So it's okay. just me. You're stuck with me. I do not apologize. And you shouldn't. <laughs> so let's let's get going. Why are you not responding to me? There we go. Revelation and healing. Okay. <laughs> we need both, but we can't always get one without the other. It's a year and a half of understanding here. <laughs> so, we have a problem. I don't think that's a revelation to anybody. That's pretty well understood. We have problems. Yeah. Hey, I'm glad you pluralize that right <clears throat> excuse me so have you ever asked for healing but you haven't gotten it anybody yes. yeah mm -hmm. have you ever asked for revelation but not gotten it yeah i mean have you ever felt like god was just kind of ignoring you <laughs> yes. you keep asking and you keep asking and you keep asking and there's just silence and no response, and you're like, I keep praying, I know my, I, I'm pretty sure my heart's in the right spot here, why aren't I getting anything? Welcome to being human and being a Christian 101. <laughs> Where nothing works out quite the way you think it's going to. So, this is something of a tricky topic, because it's very easy to get into condemnation and judgment and all kinds of other silly nonsense. Because almost everybody wants healing. And almost everybody wants revelation. <clears throat> and sometimes we ask for both, or one or the other, but we end up getting neither. Now I'm quantifying my statement here with almost everybody wants healing and almost everybody wants revelation because the truth of the matter is, as Christians, we don't always want either. True. Because revelation means you're going to have to be obedient to it or be held accountable for, for not doing what you got. And healing means you no longer have excuses. You no longer have yep. things that are holding you up or keeping yep. you from doing things. So healing becomes something of an awkward subject. So we got to ask the question, what's going on? Now, me personally, I'm lactose intolerant. I have been dogging this issue for years. It started around the time I was a teenager, and huh. I, I know this because the Lord's confirmed the timing on it. So, okay, so I know round about the time that this started. And he's even confirmed that it's a soul issue. But he won't tell me what it is. Been, been after this thing for years now. And I've got nothing. Zilch, nada, other than sometime when it started when I was a teenager. Yes, it's a soul issue. Silence on everything else. So, here I am with next to no information. Well, we're going to be starting in James 5.13. And this is funny. I'm going to get to this later. <clears throat> Excuse me. But this passage has been a long time coming. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. So, we are told to pray about suffering. And looking into the Greek, the suffering there is just that. It's being beset by evil. It's being in the midst of tribulation. It's 
can be sickness. It's just a generalized suffering of any kind from any direction. If you're suffering, pray about it. So, yeah, there it is again. Hardship, affliction, to suffer evil. So we're going before Jesus to talk to him about what's going on. Okay? Finding out from him what to do. Finding out from him about the cause. Otherwise, it says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Okay? Don't keep your joy to yourself. Don't be bottling it up like, I'm happy, but I'm not sharing with anybody. No, sing psalms. Get it out there. Let people know that you have joy, that you've got something to be happy about. But then it goes on to say, James 5.14 Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Basically, we're calling on the old people in the church. Um, I'm going to say this, knowing from past conversations, it's not 100% true, but they should have the maturity. They should have the most maturity out of everybody in the church. If they have been saved for any substantial length of time, they should have the most maturity. So what happens if you're the oldest? Well, then you're the oldest. What if you are the most mature? Now you see how I broke that up. What if you're the oldest? And what if you're the most mature? Not necessarily the oldest, but the most mature. So the reality is we kind of need to get away from this idea of only the old people in the church can do this. Because I've been around some older Christians that have maturity that's barely ankle deep. So you become the most mature, therefore spiritually making you kind of an elder. Now, to be clear, the Greek in this passage is saying old people. It is literally talking about just older people in the church. Because the understanding would have been, you've been here for a while, you've had salvation probably longer than everybody else, you should have maturity. Now, obviously, that's going to be different if you're 50 years old and you got saved two weeks ago. But even as we were talking just before we started the meeting here, you know, there's an eight eight-month-old Christian that we ran across on TikTok who really is adamantly and fervently digging into the word. She's growing. She's maturing. She is outpacing peers who have been saved for far longer than herself. And she's being called out by those older peers to stop calling herself a baby Christian because she knows more about the scriptures than people who have been saved longer. Her callback was, well, pick up your Bible and start reading. Get into the Word. Grow up. You're dropping the Bible ball. And, you know, she was fairly aggressive and pushy about it. And I commend her for it. Because, <laughs> frankly, to be safe for eight months and have maturity that outpaces people who have been safe for far longer than you is sad. Especially here in the States where we have the freedom and the access to materials that people in other countries don't have freedom and access to. So, maturity is really just a, a function of your application of the scriptures, and your application of the revelation that God gives you. 
So the idea of elders can change slightly based on your maturity. Mm-hmm. Who's the most mature person in the church right now? Whoever that is, I would call them a spiritual elder and go find them and get some prayer. So, moving on. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this this really caught my attention because... Well, we'll get there. <laughs> Anointing is consecration to the Lord in the Old Testament. If you remember... Aaron and his sons were anointed. They poured oil all over them. Now, mind you, anointing is not always pouring oil all over somebody. Sometimes it is just a smearing on the forehead. Um, it should be noted that while some people do think that it could be just any kind of oil, there was a specific anointing oil that God had the people of Israel put together. It's a very common ingredients. You put it together, and you anoint somebody with it. All right? But it is consecration to the Lord. So that means set aside for his use only. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. It should, because sanctified means set aside for his use only. And we see that in the New Testament all the time. You are sanctified. You are sanctified in Christ. He has sanctified you. Mm-hmm. He has set you aside for his use and his use only. Spirit, soul, and body. Because sickness affects the body. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Your body is not for use of sickness. It is not for use of disease. And it is not for selfish excuses. And it's really fascinating when you stop and think about it because in the process of anointing the sick person with oil and praying over them you are I, I use the phrase re-consecrating not like you've lost the consecration or you've lost the sanctification but rather it's a reminder to you that your body has been set aside for him and it's a reminder to those around you that this has been done so that your body is for his use And you have to stop and ask the other question, which is, how usable are you when you're sick? I I can't even joke about it because last Sunday I was attending via Skype because I had walking pneumonia. How usable was I? It's highly contagious, which I didn't find out until after the fact, but it's highly contagious. (laughs) And... As a result, you really shouldn't be around other people when you have walking pneumonia. You can't minister to people. You can't help people. Mm-hmm. You can't be around other people. So how usable are you? Beyond sitting in your home and praying. Now, prayer has its place. Prayer has a purpose. Prayer has an effect, which we're going to get into. But the reality is, if you're sick, you're bound up and not fully usable. And that's not a slam. It <laughs> really isn't. Facts. But it does mean you have limited mobility, limits, limited in exposure to things, you're limited in stamina, mm-hmm. you're limited in blessing, both giving and receiving. But see, there's no sickness in Christ, which makes kind of a problem for us, doesn't it? 
Because what part of you is not in Christ for us to be sick? That was kind of a problem question for me because there I was having just recovered from walking pneumonia and I have to sit here and ask the question, okay, so what part of me is not in Christ that this could actually come on and afflict me? Because sickness isn't from God, sickness is a curse. It's part of the fall. So what's going on here? Now, again, this isn't a slam against me. It's not judgment against anybody else. It's just simply a question that needs to be asked. It could just be, hey, you just got sick. Mm -hmm. And it's just that simple. It could be no deeper than that. You just got sick. Mm -hmm. It could be that God knew that what, about a year and a half later, this was going to have to come up in a teaching, and he planned it all out, and there I was, and now I got sick. I mean, there was no reason for me to catch COVID when I did. But I got COVID. And literally nobody else I was around got COVID. <laughs> so... Having said that, the whole time I was out with COVID, I had the ability and time with my wife to be able to pray for people who were literally dying. They had just given birth to their new child, and they were dying in the hospital and told, their, their husband was told, go in, say your goodbyes, there's nothing we can do for her, she's gone. We prayed for her. Within 24 hours, she totally recovered woke up from an induced coma on her own and walked out the emergency room on her own two feet. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. And you know, if that's the only reason why God gave me COVID was to take me down long enough to have time to pray for that, that woman, dang, I'm down. Hit me anytime. But not really. But really. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> for sure. So, jumping back over, uh, we're now in James 5.15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So, let's break this down a little bit. Because this one starts to get interesting. Starts to get interesting. Did that just block my... It did. <laughs> So it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So the word prayer there is the Greek word UK, which is a petitioning prayer. Okay? It's literally you going before the Lord and asking for healing. You're petitioning him for healing. So it's not all that complicated. Uh, a faith was the Greek word pistis. Okay, so it's just that. It is your faith, the spiritual force of causation. So your petition of spiritual force of causation will sozo the sick. This is the same word used for, for salvation. And the Lord will raise him up again. Okay, and that Greek word for raise is edgero. It's to arouse or cause to rise from sleep or from lying down. Which is interesting now that I'm thinking about it here because what did Jesus say when he, he raised a couple of people from the dead? What did he say? Well, they're not dead. They're just sleeping. Right. So it makes you kind of stop and wonder about where all this is going. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And he, then you come to the end of this verse, and it says, And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Has anyone ever had a sin that led to sickness? Yes. <laughs> Can anybody say pornography? Can anybody say jealousy? Can anybody say lying? You know? And the word... Smoking. Smoking. Gluttony. Gluttony. <laughs> the, the, the list just goes on. No. <laughs> well, well, see, I've, we've already discussed the fact that I, I'm dealing with lactose intolerance still, so ice cream oh. isn't a problem for me. <laughs> So, and the, the word for committed sin is the word performed, which means it's, it's an action that you took, okay? It's uh, something that leads you down into that direction. Did you need, did you need that back up there? What is, oh, instead of committed? Yeah. Performed. Yeah. Performed? Mm-hmm. Sins? Okay. Yep. It's something that you performed. It's not just... I'm trying to drill home the idea that it's not just this uh, concept of, oh, they, they just committed a sin. No, it's something that you performed. You did. And we'll, we're going to dive a little bit more into that up here in a moment. But, you know, so we're talking about sin that leads to sickness. So judgments, uh, sexual sin, fear, manipulation, anger, lying, any hardness of heart which is parts of your soul that are not in Christ, which can lead you into sickness because it is under a curse. Personally, for me, things that I've dealt with in the past, hypoglycemia, taken on as a curse, allergy to fish, judging myself for the pornography, gluten intolerance, judging myself for how I treated her, Lactose intolerance. Still not sure what that one's about. Short and long-term memory loss. That was actually... Uh... <laughs> that is just too funny. <laughs> no, I'm like, short and long-term memory loss, and then I just forgot the word I was going to use. That happened during the period of time that I was addicted to the pornography. It totally crushed my memory and I was incapable literally incapable of remembering things from one moment to the next I would read a set of numbers on the paper at my job I would go to enter those numbers into the computer and from the time it took me to look from the piece of paper to the computer screen I would forget the numbers there are still periods of my memory I have no recollection of from back during the porn don't really care most of those memories were stupid anyways <laughs> So, so, right? <laughs> so memory loss doesn't necessarily have to be anything to do with age, for example. Not, older, not necessarily. It doesn't mean that you have to forget things. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I know. I've known some older people who were sharp as tacks. Yes. I met a guy that was 102 years old. Mm -hmm was still walking on his own without a cane or a walker, driving himself around, fully capable, fully coherent, full, oh, yeah. fully capable of complete sentences and speech. And I don't even think he was saved. Yep. He had two rules in life. One, stay away from doctors, and B, be thankful for everything. There is, that's just, yeah. that's, that's the whole thing. Be thankful. Mm -hmm. That's the key. 
So it's like it's like the laws that God is using can also work as a mm-hmm. non-Christian, sure. like gravity, kind of. I guess. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, he hardwired into the very fabric of reality. So if you obey the laws and commandments that he set in place, mm-hmm. then everything just works better. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get salvation. Right. It doesn't yeah, mean you're no, going to yeah. really have access to the full gamut of everything right. God has for us. But even in the Old Testament, yeah. we know that there were entire nations of people that would obey the, the <laughs> rules of God. Mm-hmm. They were not the people of Israel, right? and they right. prospered, and God said to Moses and the, the, the Israelites, when you come to this land, you don't touch these people. Right. They're mine. Yeah. I mean, we have the entire story of Melchizedek, the priest that shows up out of nowhere, performing sacrifices and tithing and all these things that had never been done before in the nation of Israel. So where did he come from? And then, the, yeah. you know, one I've never actually personally dealt with, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Because that is, you go anywhere. You, you go into a store. You're, you have your coworkers. You have everybody on social media. Literally everybody on social media. Well, my anxiety is kicking in. Or I can't do X, Y, and Z because my anxiety. Or I need my anxiety medication. Or I need to go vape. Or I need to take these pills. Or I need because of my anxiety. My what are you afraid of? Everything. Well, and then we find out. I I actually just found out recently that apparently anxiety is an addiction. Because your brain is designed to to crave new experiences, to release hormones and chemicals in it. And anxiety actually produces those chemicals, so you become addicted to this fear cycle because every time you need a hit of whatever this chemical was, I think it was dopamine, it might have been something else. It's adrenaline. Because it's the adrenaline. Maybe. I don't know for certain. It's been a while since I listened to this, and I didn't really commit it to memory. But the point is, your, your brain becomes addicted to yep. that hormonal release so you become addicted to the cycle of anxiety where you just get worked up and afraid of everything mm-hmm. for nothing and it starts young yeah very young very very young and it's like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense i mean it does but it doesn't it's like the addiction to porn it makes sense but it doesn't make sense <laughs> So, moving on to James what? 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, the word trespasses there is the Greek word paratoma. To deviate from truth or sidestep intentionally or unintentionally. Okay? Sometimes we make choices that are not the best choices. And it's not even that we really thought it out very clearly. It's that something happened and we responded incorrectly, almost instinctually, almost reflexively, like a Pavlovian response. Most of the times that's rooted in some sort of soul issue. Where we haven't had healing. You know, somebody calls up and says, You're a stupid, ugly butt face and I hate you. And you just, Well, how dare you? You're a stupid, ugly jerk face and I hate you. 
Okay. Uh, comical references, but still, it stands. You know, it, it's be you respond that way because you don't have the security in your identity of who you are. Mm. You know, somebody comes up and says, you're, you're just a stupid so-and-so and I don't like you because X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, that's nice for you. I'm going to go get some coffee. You want to come? <laughs> <clears throat> so there's that. And then it goes on. It says, The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so tying this back in, you have James 5.15 saying, you know, if someone has committed sins, it will be forgiven them if the, when the elders come around and they anoint them and pray over them for healing. And it says, then you confess your trespasses to one another and you pray for one another. Now, mind you, this is, it gets a little precarious because we, we don't willingly confess our trespasses or our sins to one another because we're afraid people are going to judge us. Mm -hmm. We're afraid that yeah. somebody's going to come against us. Well, they, they just wouldn't understand why I did this. Yeah. Or ashamed or yeah. embarrassed. Yeah. But see, here's the funny thing is, I don't need to understand why you did it. Hmm. Most of the time, I don't even really care totally why you did it. I care about one thing. Get you back into the presence of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Get you walking in forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Get you walking in grace. And then whatever it was, whatever the reasons are, you and Jesus can fix it. Right. My only job is to, is to facilitate that meeting and get you back into his presence. I don't care why you sinned. Hmm. Odds are, I don't even have the answer for the solution. But Jesus does. Amen. So if I can get you back Ooh. into his presence, I win and you win. And he wins. Amen. Everybody walks out a winner. Amen. And then we get to pray together, and we have this wonderful fellowship, and you know that you're not being condemned, and I know that you're being forgiven, and we both know that you're starting to walk this thing out with Jesus and walk in the right direction, and I can go to sleep at night knowing that my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, is safe and secure and walking the way they're supposed to, and they're walking in healness and wholeness and forgiveness and joy, and they can start singing these songs that we were talking about in James 5.13, and it's a good time. Mm -hmm. It's a really good time. And then in the process of all that, it says that you may be healed. Hmm. So we're talking about sins that lead to sickness. So you deal with this issue and then all of a sudden you're healed and we're, we're doing really good. And then it says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And if you, I didn't break down all the Greek words and put them in here, but... I kind of sort of transliterated them, sort of an amplified Bible version here. And it says, The efficient and active prayers of a righteous man actually has a great effect with power and force behind it. Hmm. It's like everything that you need is right there. Walk with God. Have a fervent an effective prayer and it's going to have an effect. Hmm. So what does that mean though, that fervent active prayer, efficient, It's a faith. faith. It's a faith that you are actually talking to God and you are petitioning him and that he's going to answer. 
Is there, what's the, do you have like the Greek word for the effective or fervent or anything? I do not have that pulled up, sorry. But everybody has access to the I'm Greek, curious. so we, we, you can pull it up and break it down and go through it and just have an awesome time with it. Oh, right, back up there. That, <laughs> so that part where it says pray for one another, it's not just a statement of, yeah, you should all pray for one another. It's a commandment. Mm -hmm. So this whole sickness thing, when you really stop and consider the fact that we are the body of Christ, the body talks within itself to share information with what's going on. Okay? When my lungs got sick, my body, my lungs talked to my brain, which my brain then told my body, raise the temperature, which produced a fever to help kill off what was ever inside of me, causing me issues. <laughs> Excuse me. So... In the process of that, it creates chills, but as the whole thing is going on, my body is talking within itself, and it's telling information and sharing the problems and coming up with solutions and working to fix the issue. And it's the same thing with us. So we have been commanded to pray for one another. We talk to one another within the body about what's going on in the body so that each one of us can be praying. Um, Lee, at one point in a men's Bible study, had said that I should be able to talk to any one of you guys at any point in time and ask you if the Lord has a word for, you, for me, and you should be able to hear it right then. Hmm. Now, me being always up for a challenge, said, okay, Lord, what do you have for Lee? <laughs> <laughs> and I actually got a word for him right then and there. So what happened? I gained revelation for Lee... Shared it with Lee, but at the same time, I gained a revelation for myself that yes, when it's necessary, and often even when it's not necessary, I can hear from God right on the spot. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. So this whole commandment of pray for one another, it's not just about the person that's sick, it's about you too. You're going to be gaining stuff from the Lord while you are praying and ministering to this other person. And so are they. And again, the whole body is going to be made healthier, stronger, and whole. And that wasn't even in my notes. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so again, you can hear things from God on the fly. Exactly. Exactly. So, let's talk about my sickness. Okay, let's talk about your sickness. Because it's all about me, right? <laughs> no. No, this no. Is about... it's all about Jesus. <laughs> so it started about two weeks ago at this point. It was a Tuesday afternoon. I was out doing an install and got hit with a fever. Clear out of the blue. Like full-on raging fever. Didn't know exactly what it was because I hadn't really experienced these symptoms before other than my, it's like I had a fever, my lungs felt heavy, they felt hot, I was having chills, I was having cramps, and I'm on a job install. And we have one vehicle, which she was using to pick up material with, so I'm stuck on a job site that I can't even necessarily leave. Way up in Longmont. Wow. <laughs> the shop is on Santa Fe and uh, C470. Wow. 
So we've got at least an hour of drive to get. Yeah. So there's there's nothing about this situation that's good. The only thing I did know is that it wasn't COVID. Because I had COVID and this was not it. It wasn't even similar in its uh, behavior or symptoms. So I got this thing and I'm dealing with it for oh, approximately a week and a half. Maybe just shy of a week and a half. And then all of a sudden, uh, one Sunday... It was actually the Sunday that I was on Skype because I had walking pneumonia that I didn't know I had. My dad calls me and we start talking and I start telling him about what's going on. He says, well, gee, that sounds a lot like walking pneumonia. Do you, do you need to go to the hospital? I was like, well, for starters, I don't have the money for it. And secondly, I don't really want to be on somebody's registry as the unvaxxed lunatic. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I just killed Roxanne there. What part of unvaccinated So, my dad says, well, you know, just keep an eye on the symptoms. If it doesn't seem like it's getting any better or it starts getting worse, let me know. I, I'll pay for you to go to one of the clinics or something. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. So, I hang up with him. And the first thing I start doing is start praying against walking pneumonia. There you go. Because now I had been praying about this thing since the symptoms started. And the Lord had said absolutely nothing to me about any of it. And I am I'm not submitting my body to this. I'm not submitting to the authority of the sickness. I'm praying against whatever is afflicting me. I'm blessing my body. She's blessing my body. She's praying for me. Everybody's praying and doing what we know we're supposed to do, but nothing's changing. It's not getting worse, but it's not getting better. And I went to work for a week with this. Most of the time I was in another shop away from everybody else, so everyone else was fine. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this thing until my dad says something. And then I start praying against the walking pneumonia. Now, that was a Sunday. The very next day is Monday. And all of my symptoms were reduced by half. Hmm. Tuesday, the symptoms were gone. So what happened? Yeah, it's like, happened? I'm just scratching my head. Like, it's Tuesday. All of my symptoms are gone. What in the world is going on? Why is it that this prayer yeah. all of a sudden worked? You know, what changed? Well, and the Lord told me. And you talked to your dad. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Well, so what does that mean? my dad's not a, in a church, but he is a member of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And he's been saved for many years. And that makes him what? An elder. An elder. Yes. Without fully understanding what was going on here, God took me to an elder in the body of Christ to talk to him. Now, I don't know. I didn't ask him, but I don't know if my dad prayed for me that night. He probably did. But all of a sudden, within two days... Now, mind you, I, I did do some research after the fact... Apparently, walking pneumonia is something that can typically last for anywhere from four to six weeks, mm -hmm. sometimes up to three months, and doesn't always get better without some sort of antibiotic. So yep. here I am, recovering from this in about a week and a half, with no doctor visit, no antibiotics, and what was going on? God set everything up to get me to a point where I'm talking to my dad, who is an elder in the body of Christ, to at least point me in the direction of what's going on, gives me something to pray about, and get healing. And I asked him, I said, well, 
Why didn't you just tell me this was walking pneumonia in the first place? It's not like you haven't given me a complex message before. I mean, current message I'm teaching in point. <laughs> and he says, because it was about getting you to talk to the elders. Mm, giving you Okay. Okay, I can go with that. I mean, sure, it was a miserable week and a half. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. But I just gained something out of this. So, okay. Cheap is less than I ever paid for. <laughs> so, I gotta think about how to word this. We'll come back to it. James 5.14 Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Elders of the church. And I, I literally just said all this. He is a member of the body of Christ. Yep. He's been around for a while. He's technically an elder. He's mature, you said. And God pointed me at someone to pray or at something. Or he pointed me at something to pray about. Now, I should have done the anointing because my dad was nowhere physically near me at the time. But at the same time, I'm just now learning about this. Mm -hmm. So, I think I can be cut a little bit of slack. <laughs> well, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but having said all that, the, the anointing, uh, the consecration, the setting aside for God's use only, mind you, it's, it's symbolic. It isn't like if you didn't get anointed, you can't get healed. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's okay. Exactly. This is just a reminder that, you know, this body, it's been set aside for God's use and his use only. It's not for use of sickness because sickness doesn't come from Jesus. I said this earlier. Sickness is a part of the curse. Yep. The, the consecration is setting the body aside for the Lord's use only, not for the use of sickness. I, I use the word Lord here intentionally, too. Because is he truly lord mm -hmm. are we submitting our bodies to him mm -hmm. and what he wants to use them for mm -hmm. because there is no sickness in christ which again becomes a real problem for us when we start getting sick it's a real problem for me for a week and a half <laughs> mm -hmm. well, now dealing with a chronic condition too it makes it yeah interesting and, and to give you an understanding, now, I wasn't really going to go into this at first, but the Lord said I needed to, because he, he showed me what was going on here in the midst of all this, and he waited till I was near the end of my teaching to show me this part of it. But I had actually stopped teaching James in my podcast uh, a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. To be precise, the last issue I taught on James was 2 2020 God pulled the plug on James 5.13 that year. Because that was the one I was working on, and technically I wasn't even supposed to teach the message prior to that. But when I started working on this one, he said, no, you're not teaching anymore. You weren't supposed to teach the last one, but I let you. But you're not teaching this one. Hmm. And that was when the podcast ended. And I was obedient. Okay. Before COVID really hit. Yep. Yeah, and then I got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In fact, I got COVID about a month. It was like a month later, mm -hmm. something like that. Like, yeah. yeah, March 14th, March 13th, something like that. Okay. 
so I was not allowed to teach on this. And the reason is, I didn't have the revelation I needed to teach on this. And I couldn't be given the revelation at that time to teach on this. Jesus saw this sickness was coming, and he had a plan. Let that really sink in for a minute. 2-22-2020 is when I pulled the plug, specifically God told me to pull the plug, on my podcast. That was more than a year and a half ago. Jesus saw this coming. And he had a plan. More than, yeah, so we're right there. I see. (laughs) This is the wonderful thing about notes. It keeps you on track. The other interesting thing about notes is the message is already in your heart. Mm -hmm. If my computer died, everybody online would have no access to this message right now, but I'd still be able to teach. (laughs) Okay. But he had revelation for me before the sickness ever hit. But he couldn't give it to me before the appointed time. Couldn't let me teach on this passage before the appointed time either. Which brings us to the revelation part from the title. Remember it said mm-hmm. healing and revelation? Yeah. We need we, we need both. <laughs> Sometimes we get neither. So the question has to be asked. Why didn't Jesus tell you what the issue was? He has reasons. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about those next week. (laughs) (laughs) This is... To be continued. A handcuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, this was... uh, This was an interesting thing for me because it's one of the first times I've had to break a message up into two parts. I've done a three-parter, this is a two-parter, this is probably one of the longer messages I've ever taught, but there's a reason for that. I I have just dumped on you more information than you can probably absorb right now. I got the call from Lee to put this together Wednesday afternoon, and I said, well, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you this evening. And he said, no, i got to know now, otherwise i got to cancel my plans. So the thought process that went through my head was, well, let's see. Sunday's coming right around the corner. I'm not going to get to sit down and teach, uh, start writing anything or even reading anything until Friday. So that's probably about enough time. I got no time at all. Excellent. Yeah, I'll do it. And the Lord was faithful. Between Friday evening and Saturday, he gave me all of this. Including this part about the time frame. You gotta, you gotta understand. It's God knows what He's got planned for your life. It's not in vain that He says, "For I know the thoughts that I think towards you," as Heidi was teaching. I know the thoughts that I am weaving together with extreme complexity and tight knit integration, woven into a perfect cord and a perfect pattern for your life. I know what's going on, which is huge because. You know, back to contractors. Uh, If they don't have a plan in place, the entire thing just falls apart. Working in fabrication, I can tell you that. Over and over again, we, we, we have these 
rough drawings and loose ideas of what we're doing and what we're building and that has come back to bite us over and over and over again if you do not have everything dialed in written down planned out from the very beginning to the very end everything falls apart the closer you get to the end so for God to say, I know the plans I have for you. I know the thoughts I'm thinking for you. I know what I'm weaving together for you and the colors of the threads and the patterns and paths they're going to take and the shape it's going to be in. He saw this sickness coming a year and a half before it happened. He wouldn't let me teach on this pat, uh, passage until I was in a position to be able to receive the revelation. Because I had, when I was first sitting down and going over this thing, I had this whole idea of where we were going and how this was going to play out and how I was going to write it and how it was going to be beautiful and everybody was going to be blessed by it. It was going to be wonderful and that would have all been true. But we would have missed the point. <laughs> because there is so much more now in this passage than I was able to pull out of it when I was first writing this years ago. I threw that script away. I don't even have it anymore. <laughs> So this week, as you're going through things, remember that God has a plan for each of your lives. He knows what's happening before it's even going to happen. You know, Kat and I were discussing just last night, you know, the future and how things play out and what's, what's going to be going on. And, you know, the, the discussion came up of, you know, if things don't go X, Y, and Z at the job, are we going to get fired? Are we going to get moved on? We both came to the same conclusion. Fire me, please. Mm -hmm. I am excited to see the next chapter that God has lined out because so far, every aspect of my life has had a plan and a purpose behind it and I'm only now beginning to see hindsight where he had me, where he's been leading me and guiding me and where it was I started getting my act together with what he was doing and following through with it. I am excited about the future. Mm -hmm. I really am. There, There's... I can honestly say at this point in my life, there is no fear in my heart about the future and what it holds because, for crying out loud, he saw this coming a year and a half before it even happened. Yeah. He saw this coming when I was sick with COVID. Mm -hmm. He had me set up with this job years before I ever had this job that I have. So as you go through the week, be in prayer for others. And as you're in prayer for others, and you're praying for yourself, don't forget what James 1.6 says. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Bearing in mind that it's asking in faith, that faith is the, the, the spiritual force of causation. If you're asking God for healing, but then you're doubting that he's going to heal you, that's not faith. That's being double-minded. It's like, oh, Lord, please heal me. That's That goes right back to what Lee was saying about, you know, hope versus wishful thinking. Okay, hope is based in something real, something that you know. So you, you got to hear something from Jesus. Otherwise, you're just wishful praying. And from experience, I can tell you, that doesn't really do a whole lot. So walk in blessing while you're fighting don't give way to cursing with sickness submit your body to Jesus 
because it was made for his use. Anointing with oil to set yourself aside. And bear in mind, again, I'll say it over and over again because it's too easy to get into it. It's not a religion. It's a reminder. A reminder to yourself whose body it really is. It's just like communion. Communion is not a religion. It's a reminder of the covenant that you share with Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) The finish line. So, questions, comments? You did a great job, Nick. I look forward to next week. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Nate, I think you need to sing some songs. (laughs) Are you going to hang around online for me to sing? Yeah, I didn't think so. You too. That we are consecrated. And that's one of the things I think we forget as believers. Mm-hmm. That we are set aside. Yep. I mean, I know I do. Mm-hmm. I'm set aside for God's use only, and I forget that I'm set aside for that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this because that's who I am. You know? <laughs> and not being, wait, what does God want to do? I'm going to do this because that's who I am. Okay, but who are you really? Who am I really? <laughs> Only Jesus knows. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? The shadows do. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think that helps us in understanding, you know, that we are able to pray. We are able to anoint. We are able to walk in faith. You know, those Mm -hmm. things. It's reminding ourselves that we are set aside. We are God's. We are gods, and sometimes we just forget that yep. as, life, as life moves, you know. Mm-hmm. And next week, we're getting into Revelation. Not not the book, the subject. The subject. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, you're really going for it. <laughs> um, I'm not.